The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. Everybody humble here. Our topic today is fashion. And we should begin by speaking out against those horrible high-heeled shoes that women feel they need to wear. Every ad on television shows impressionable young girls strutting in back-breaking high-heeled shoes. Do you ever see in the ads a 40-year-old woman being told that she'll lose her job if she doesn't wear them? And then there were the days when women's waists were constrained by those laced-up things. Insecure women can obviously be convinced to do some pretty bad things to their bodies just so they'll fit in. Men, well, you know this, men also have rules for fashion, although they're usually not so painful. And the only rule I'm strict about is the need to wear a necktie. I have to wear a necktie. My father came to this country from Sweden to break up rocks with a hammer, and by wearing a necktie, I am flaunting my first-generation college education. Because you know this, Had my father been a doctor, a lawyer, and had my father paid my way through college, I'd be free to open that top button on my shirt. What do you think would happen if anyone saw me in public without a necktie and the top button open on my shirt? My friends would whisper behind my back, Hey, look at Skog trying to make people think he came from old money. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. <laughs> Thank 
Scott Hamilton here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. You've seen it. A photograph of an elderly man who holds a pair of glasses in his right hand. 
He gazes thoughtfully at the camera, chin resting pensively on a knuckle. Now, if you stop to think about it, you've seen dozens of these pictures. Textbooks are notoriously full of these pictures. As medical practitioners or patrons, portraits of these great men in that oh-so-familiar pose, well, they adorn hospital corridor walls. You've seen them. Have you ever wondered why this ubiquitous clenched hand, always three or so inches below the nose, is it that many of us never outgrow our need to suck or nibble at a pacifier? Listen closely, because the other day, while taking my picture, my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, explained it quite nicely. Marsha said to me, Put your hand up there, on your chin, to hide all those ugly old neck wrinkle chins.
Zudi, Zudi with Oscar Peterson, and I don't usually tell you who's playing because it really doesn't make any difference to you. But that was Joe Pass on guitar and George Mraz on bass. What a nice, nice feeling for time he has. Grady Tate on drums. And here is a letter. Oh, I should say thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right, right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you again for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail, gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And here is a letter from Bill. Believe it or not, someone wrote this week, and Bill says, Good afternoon. I've got a couple of students here at the music camp, New England music camp in Sydney, Maine, who would like to know the correct title of your theme as played by Clark Terry. Would appreciate your help, thanks. And of course, it's Oscar Peterson and Clark Terry playing the incoherent blues. And for years and years and years, I used to start with that, and I used to go out with mumbles. But I haven't gone out with mumbles for years, and I, I simply clip off whatever song I happen to be playing. Thank you, uh, thank you so much, Bill. Thank the kids for asking.
Scott Hamilton going Saturday night. I had to stay up an hour past my bedtime. And my bedtime is uh, as quickly as I can get to bed after supper time. All six, I got to tell you this, all six of our bed and breakfast guests went out on the town. It was a big night here because it was St. George Days. There was a street dance in Tents Harbor to celebrate these St. George Days. So I couldn't go to bed. I had to stay out to lift the great huge blueberry cake out of the oven for my wife, Marcia, the gracious hostess, made this big blueberry cake for the guests for breakfast. Two of the guests, you got oh, wonderful, wonderful people we have here. Two of the guests, an astrophysicist and his spouse, they went to the Antarctica Association meeting down the road in Port Clyde down at Paul Dalrymple's house. Can you imagine? Did you know there was an Antarctica Association? If you've been to Antarctica, you can go to this meeting. I heard they were expecting 100 people there. Have you been to Antarctica? Maybe I just asked you. John, because that was the astrophysicist's name, John says that Admiral Byrd's grandson spoke at this meeting. Right here, nine miles from here. I would have snuck down to see him. Another friend who was staying here, George, George was telling about staying in New Hampshire the night before, just by coincidence, with a woman who went to Antarctica. On the way into the shower from the big boat, the small boat lurched, and this woman was injured. She got thrown aside or something. So she missed going ashore with the big tour. But George says they took her in a little bit later and helped her ashore kind of braced her up just long enough to have a picture taken with her feet standing on Antarctica soil. And, by the way, be careful not to injure yourself if you're on vacation. Your bed and breakfast host would hate to lose a night's income just because you broke your leg and didn't show up. Shame on 
Trinidad There was a family With much confusion As you will see There was a mama and a papa And a boy who was grown Who wanted to marry And have wife of his own He met a young girl Who suited him nice He went to his papa To ask his advice His papa said Son, I have to say no That girl is your sister But your mama don't know Hey, is me shame and scandal in the family hey, is me shame and scandal in the family a week went by and the summer came down and soon another girl on the island he found he went to his papa to name the day his papa shook his head and this time he did say you can't marry this girl I have to say no The girl is your auntie But your granny don't know Hey, oh, is me Shame and scandal in the family Hey, oh, is me Shame and scandal in the family Now he went to his mama And covered his head He told his mama what his papa had said His mama, she laughed She said, go man your daddy, but your daddy don't know. Hey, oh, is me. Shame and scandal in the family. Hey, oh, is me. Shame and scandal in the family. Hey, oh, is me. Shame and scandal in the Where else can you hear shame and scandal in the family except here with me? Played that just for you, by the way. I'm the humble farmer at, at gmail.com. Well, well, put in some nice boards I got on the dump into my garage. I was up on this ladder sticking them on the overhead. While I was doing that, this hornet stung me right between the shoulder blades, and it was not a nice thing. I went back in the house, put on my beekeeping costume, you know, I got a hood and everything. I put on that beekeeping costume, and I squirted the hornets with Clorox. And when I did that, I, I managed to raise quite a fuss there. And, of course, I got to thinking, I got wondering if killing a hornet attracts more hornets. So I did what you do. I looked it up on Google. And you can imagine what Google said. It said, yes. All social wasps emit an alarm pheromone from their bodies at the point of death, signifying loud and clear to any other wasps in the vicinity that there is a threat nearby. This is why it is very dangerous to kill a hornet near its nest, as the alarm pheromone could very well summon the entire colony to the dead insect. Think about this. You know, you've heard about this. You drop a bomb on a building and kill two or three people you don't like, and every single friend and relative of those people you just bombed come out of the woodwork like hornets. Same thing. I, I've, just, I've found out that if I don't go near the hornets for a little while, they soon forget about me and calm down.
Dave McKenna, you could hear him in the background there. Scott Hamilton, of course, here on the Humble Farmer. Well, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every every week this time, right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you for listening. And right now we're going to talk about threats. Not veiled threats, but blatant, in-your-face threats. My wife... Marcia, the almost perfect woman, is the master of the in-your-face threat. Because I don't think that the need to make threats is genetically transmitted, she could have learned this threat business as a small child by listening to her mother. And now that I start to think of it, my my wife's father was one of the most moderate, laid-back men I have ever met. One morning... My wife approached the deposed master of this house, who of course lives with his fingers glued to the keyboard of his computer, and this is what she said. Will you please make an effort to put in that microwave today? I've spent a lot of time cleaning it, and I want you to put it in before it gets rusty. Not a threat, you say? This sounds like a very polite and reasonable request to you. Perhaps it is, but then I said, before it gets rusty, you want me to put in the new microwave before it gets rusty? She just paid $4 for it, so it was new to us. I laughed, and it wasn't a nasty, sarcastic laugh, but it was a real honest, that's funny laugh. And I said, do you know how long it takes something that's setting out in the barn to get rusty? You don't seem to have much faith in my ability to get things done around here. And that's when she said, this is the important part, if you don't put it in, I'm going to pick it up and carry it in here myself and do it myself. And right there you heard the, if you don't, I will, threat part. And you know as well as I do that she had been out there washing the breakfast dishes and rehearsing that little speech until she had it down pat in its final form and trounced in my room with me for delivery. If you are a husband, my question my question to you is, does your wife have a similar modus operandi when she wants something done? What? You don't know because no matter how important and how intricate your project, you Always jump up and do it the first time she asks.
tag on that. I think it was Oscar Peterson, Benny Carter, and my friend Julian, who had sold more than a few things in his day. Julian says that the time to sell is when you have a buyer. I take that to mean, don't you take that to mean that even though you might not be thinking about selling your grandfather's 1932 Plymouth sedan with floating power set in rubber, if someone makes you an offer you can't refuse, he or she owns it. I was thinking of that concept while out lawn sailing the other day. Like a woman who knows the price of everything in the grocery store, I know that excellent bicycles are 3 to $5, books, and we are talking here about classic books or science in hardcover, books are a quarter, a handful of craftsman wrenches are a dollar, and Pyrex dishes are half a dollar. So when I, I know these things, so when I walk up a driveway and see prices on items that are ten times higher than they should be, I laugh out loud and I think to myself, that uh, optimism for the economy is alive and well. Now, thank you for tolerating this digression, and now to my point. We said that the time to sell is when you are visited by someone who wants to buy, and of course you can turn that end for end and say that the time to buy is when you find someone who wants to sell. But if you have been to enough lawn sales, you know that you don't really want to buy when someone wants to sell. Car dealers want to sell cars. You don't necessarily want to buy one from them if you can buy one from an independent person. The time, think about this, the time to buy is when you find someone who has lost his job or has been hurt in an accident but has no health insurance and he's been unable to make payments on his house all his furniture and possessions are out on the sidewalk in front of his former house. And that's the time to buy because that man has to sell. Thank you. 
dim dim dim. Scott Hamilton, almost time to remind you, almost time to thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you for listening. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. If you want to see the studio or the farm, remember that I make a version of this program for television. It goes around the country and it can also be accessed on YouTube. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. When I came out of the bathroom one morning, my wife Marsha said... You were in there talking about what you were going to do today. I think you're going crazy. Now, this was truly a surprise to me. I didn't realize that I talked out loud to myself, but, but you know, as the day went on, I realized that when I was alone, I talked out loud to myself all the time, mumble, mumble, mumble. And listening to myself for the first time, I was also somewhat shocked to hear myself employing lexical items that I never use with anyone, but but I must have acquired these lexical items 40 or so years ago while listening to the Nixon White House tapes. So, well, because I don't want people to think I'm crazy, you know, I'm going to have to get a dog. People who talk to animals are considered normal. Bessie had affection, and that was simply wonderful. Mess couldn't help it any more than you could, or I could. But when she'd smile, you were bound to fall, that's all. A boy kissed Bessie in a taxi one night. Why, why did she yell with delight? Bess couldn't help it any more than you could, or I could.
Colgy, and it might have been Dix in the background, I'm not sure. I just reading this autobiography by Hoagie someone gave me. What's the name of it? Uh, it has to do with the words to stardust. Oh, I can't think of it. The dirtiest, the dirtiest hotels in the world. That was what the junk email said. And of course, you know me, I had to, I had to Google the dirtiest hotels in the world so I could see where they were. Number one is in San Francisco. That's what it said. Number one's in San Francisco. And let me read you a, a sample of the reviews I'm quoting here. First and foremost, no one should ever walk into a hotel only to find prostitutes walking around the inside. End of the quote. Now I want you to give this some serious thought. What reason would anyone have to complain about a prostitute who was on her feet.
Canna playing drums. Jay Canna was a very famous drummer, which is probably why he gets all those drum solos there, playing with Dave McKenna and Scott Hamilton. If you were to read even a few of the hotel reviews that turn up on a web page called The Dirtiest Hotels in the World, you might not have to wonder where Stephen King gets material for his novels. Now listen to this. When we checked in, the manager offered us a free upgrade to the honeymoon suite. It was a setup. The honeymoon suite had a vacant room next door that was under construction. I was undressed to get into my swimsuit and heard breathing. I looked under the big gap under the joining room door. I saw eyes looking back at me. <laughs> Well, I don't know if eyes would have bothered me, because it's the hidden camera that can come back and bite you. And here's another review. Listen to this review. We were looking for a dog-friendly hotel. I'm going to repeat that. We were looking for a dog-friendly hotel. It was absolutely horrible. The room smelled musty. <laughs> Probably because the last people who stayed there had a dog. I know that you know that I'll go where you go I choose you, won't lose you I wish you knew how much I long to hold you in my arms This time is my time, will soon be good By time, then in the starlight, hold me tight With one more little kiss, say night and I'm 
Nat King Cole, you remember? Remember Nat King Cole? Nat King Cole did a lot of anti-smoking commercials after he got lung cancer. Almost time to get out of here. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. We all have things that we can do. And there are other things that we cannot do. Perhaps an adult might be defined as a person who knows what he can do and what he can't do and isn't afraid to admit it. This email I recently received said, Humble, don't you remember what I thought of as plan A? Of course I don't remember anything about plan A. And because I'd like you to learn a little bit more about me, you might listen closely to the reply I sent to this nice person. Please realize that I don't remember much of anything. If I do have a talent, it is not in remembering, but in synthesizing that which I have recently heard and presenting it back to you, my friends, as original material. Thank you for listening.